It's Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all you Disney fans, and welcome to another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. I'm your weekly host, Jonathan Johnson, and this week we have a very special treat for you as we journey under the sea and welcome the one and only Pat Carroll to the program. Yes, Pat Carroll, the veteran thespian, television movie actress from such shows as The Carol Burnett Show, films like Nancy Drew and performing artist in Greek plays and thespian live theater, is also best known for The Ominous and even enduring one of Disney's top villains, Ursula. Pat's going to stop in and talk about her career, what she's cooking on now, and voicing one of the most popular Disney villains from what many consider the rebirth of Disney animation in The Little Mermaid. We also have your latest Disney Blu-ray and DVD news, Disney Entertainment Updates, a winner for our weekly DVD and Blu-ray giveaways, and of course, all the Disney tunes from the movies, the parks, and all the fun that keeps the magic alive in your home every single day. So as we kick off this trip under the sea, I do want to mention that Disney On Demand is brought to you by DisneyBlue.net, where you can get all the latest in Disney high definition and enjoy our world-famous Listen to a Disney Movie Player exclusively at DisneyBlue.net. And Disney On Demand is probably sponsored by SR Sounds, where it's all Disney music all day long. And SRSounds.com is bringing you Disney On Demand every single week. And SR Sounds is proudly sponsored by Magical Journeys, where you can book your own trip under the sea to any of the Walt Disney theme parks and more at YourMagicalJourneys.com. So let's get our fins ready and launch into show number six for Disney Blues, Disney On Demand, for the week of May 11th, 2010, and uh, let's head on down under the sea, Disney fans. Listen to me. The human world, it's a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up there. The seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake. You dream about going up there, but that is a big mistake. Just look at the world around you. Right here on the ocean floor Such wonderful things around you What more is you looking for? Under the sea Under the sea Darling, it's better down where it's wetter Take it from me Up on the shore, they work all day Out in the sun, they slave away While we be boating full time You floating under the sea <laughs> Down or the fish is happy As after the waves they roll The fish on the land ain't happy They shot cause they in the bowl But fish in the bowl is lucky They in for a worse fate One day when the boss get hungry Yes, you got me on the pay But go under the sea Under the sea Nobody beat us, fry us And eat us in fricassee what the land folks loves to cook Under the sea we have to hook up We got no troubles Life is the bubbles Under the sea Under the sea Under the sea See 
Things life is sweet here, we got to be here naturally Even the sturgeon and the rain, did it, the earth start to play We got the spirit, you got to hear it under the sea Play the flute, the cop, play the hop, the place, play the bass, and the sound, the chop, the bass, play the brass, the chub, play the tub, the flute is the duke of soul. The way he can play the names on the strings, the chub, rocking on the blackfish, he sings his belt and the spot, they know where it's at, they know that blowfish blow. srsounds.com
Inspiration is at the heart <laughs> of all creation. Right at the start of everything that's new. One little spark lights up for you. Oh, hello there. So glad you could come along. I am the Dream Finder. <laughs> Musical notes. What delightful melodies those will make. I love these flights of fancy. Searching the universe for sounds, colors, ideas, anything that sparks the imagination. A sunbeam. That's a good one. Oh, everything I collect can inspire amazing and marvelous new ideas. And you never know what kind of figment you may come up with. Oh, here's my favorite. Two tiny wings. Eyes big and yellow, horns of a steer, but a lovable fellow. From head to tail, he's royal purple pigment, and there, voila! You got a figment, a figment of imagination. <laughs> Dreamfinder, I'm just right. Ah, uh, 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 not quite. Huh? I'll throw in a dash of childish delight. <laughs> Look, figment. Some new friends have joined us. Can they imagine too? Of course! Imagination is something that belongs to all of us. You mean everyone can think up new things. <laughs> That's right, Figment. And every sparkling idea can lead to even more. So many times we're stumbling in the dark, and then you reach... What a spark! How are we going to use lightning? Hmm. We can combine it with ghostly shivers on a stormy night and turn them into a tale of fright. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh look, look, a rainbow. How do you use that? You paint with. Now you've got it. Wow, wow, wow. Numbers, letters, papers for writing, costumes, makeup, stages for lighting, tears off laughter. <laughs> what about science? Science? We'll need electron beams and crystal prisms, gyroscopes and magnetism, holy grail Hold on, Figment. Why? The idea bag is full. It is? Let's start making new things. Now, wait. 
First, we must store these ideas with the others in the dream port. Are we almost there? Oh, the dream port is never far away when you use your imagination. Come on, everybody, let's we go! We all have sparks. Imagination. Yeah. That's how our minds create creations. <laughs> right at the start of everything that's new. One little spark lights up for you. Oh, boy! Imagination! Imagination! A dream can be a dream come true with just that spark in me and you. Sorcerer Radio. All Disney music, all day long. Hot dog! SRSounds.com Hey, welcome back, and I hope you enjoyed going under the sea, having a topsy-turvy day, and getting that one little spark of inspiration. And who couldn't get that spark from anything Disney, right? Come on. So all of you Disney fans, this week in Disney Entertainment News has a lot of different things going on. So this week, as the release of the much-anticipated Toy Story 3 is drawing a bit closer, Disney has officially added Lotso Hug and Bear to the Hollywood Studios Block Party Bash. Now, Lotso has been gaining a huge following for the Toy Story film, that is coming up as part of the franchise with online commercials and all kinds of promotions like crazy for Lotso Hug and Bear. And many have been talking it up. A lot of the Toy Story fans are really grasping and really loving this character. And now he has been added to the Block Party Bash at Walt Disney's Hollywood Studios. Now, Lotso joining the Block Party Bash is a fantastic fun addition, but some little girls may be disappointed to know that by bringing Lotso into the bash, he has officially replaced Little Bo Peep. Now, Lotso has also officially been available for meet and greets at the Hollywood Studios as well. If you were looking for the up, fantastic film, might I add. If you were looking for the up character meet and greet, that has been fully changed for the Toy Story meet and greet, where you can meet Lotso Hug and Bear, as well as many of your favorites from the Toy Story films. Well, now moving away from Toy Story and lots of hugging, not that I don't mind hugging all of you Disney fans, now on to Disney TV and the Disney TV front, and let's move into Disney XD. Now, I, for one, am a fan of Disney XD. I think the idea of having an all-boys-geared Disney station has been a fantastic idea. Something for all the boys and the adventurers out there, and if you haven't had a chance to catch the latest installment on Disney XD, which did launch May 7th, then try to catch it in reruns or DVR it next time it comes on. And I'm talking about the Lego mini-film of Prince of Persia. Now, everybody loves the Lego characters and the Lego mini-films for Star Wars and a variety of them. Well, Disney XD has done Prince of Persia. And Disney has been pumping their new film, Prince of Persia, with the newest installment of the CGI Lego Worlds that did hit Disney XD. Now, the film itself, Prince of Persia, is coming to the big screen on May 28th. And the film is set in the medieval Persia. The story of an adventurous prince who teams up with a rival princess to stop an angry ruler from unleashing a sandstorm that could destroy the world. Which is why, after the prince was tricked by the dying vizier to unleash the sands of time, that turns out to destroy the kingdom and transforms its populace into ferocious demons. In his effort to save his own kingdom and redeem his fatal mistake, it's up to the prince and the princess to return the sands of time to the hourglass by using the Dagger of Time, which also gives him limited control over flow of time. Now, the cast is very stellar in this one. You have Jake Gyllenhaal, who has definitely done his job, because at first glance, 
I had no clue it was him at all. Now, Prince of Persia, Toy Story 3, it's all connected for what I'm going to talk about next, which is one of my favorite things. Yeah, I'm a big kid. Disney Toys. Now, the newest line of the Prince of Persia action figures has been released as well. And the best part is that they are all done by the McFarlane Company. Now, McFarlane always does fantastic action figures, collectibles, you name it. Whether it's Major League Baseball or cinematic icons, McFarlane knows how to do it. And these little three and a half inch action figures are created in the same vein as G.I. Joe, Star Wars, but maintain the detail that only McFarlane can dish out. And these are currently on the shelves in the store alongside almost pretty much the whole aisle of Toy Story 3 toys that is pumping out on the market. Now one more tidbit that I do want to talk about, it. it's connected to Hollywood and studios and all kinds of fun is... One more thing is the last tour to Endor. And I, for one, know I'm going to be attending this, and this is Disney Hollywood Studios' last tour to Endor, Saturday, August 14th, from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. Now, the entrance to the Disney Hollywood Studios is where you're going to go at 4 p.m., and they're going to have themed party zones, Star Wars shows, Death Star discos, fireworks, extravaganza, and tons of more. As they put it, you can be the first to be the last. Passengers, that is, as the Star Tours begins making its final flights to Endor. Now, the last tour to Endor at Disney's Hollywood Studios is the first of its kind entertainment experience so incredible that even the Rebel Spies have been able to steal the top secret plans. The event is going to give longtime fans of the attraction a chance to make one last flight to Endor before Star Tours powers down to make way for its new reimagining in 2011. And the evening is going to culminate with Symphony in the Stars, a Star Wars fireworks spectacular that only Disney can create. So put on your favorite Star Wars costume, join your fellow fans to the ultimate Star Wars party during the ultimate Star Wars events during Star Wars Celebration 5. And that's the last tour to Endor coming soon. And it's only $75 to attend this. There's special room rates and all kinds of fun for that last tour to Endor. So, you know, I know I'm looking forward to the Star Tours revamp, even though I will miss many of those fond memories, riding it a variety of times, and being there opening weekend back when it was MGM Studios when the ride initially started. I'm going to miss those days, but oh well. So, Disney fans, that's your Disney Entertainment Roundup for this week and uh, all the fun things taking place. So stay tuned because the one and only Pat Carroll, Ursula herself, is going to be stopping into the show very shortly. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some classic Disney tunes. And I'll be right back at you, all of you Disney fans. Sorcerer Radio. All Disney music. All Disney music. All day long. SRSounds.com.
daddy's Oh la la I've got stings But I'm too new I've cut my stings for you Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be lost. On Sorcerer Radio, srsounds.com. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mom. Jokes you think you're doing quite well, but you're in danger, boy. 
Disney fans, I'm back once again, and I am waiting for the one and only Pat Carroll to stop in. Let's move on to some Blu-ray and DVD news for the week. Now, for all of you high-def lovers out there, you'll be glad to know that it is confirmed that James and the Giant Peach will be coming to Blu-ray as the teaser trailer was leaning towards. Amazon.com has added James and the Giant Peach Special Edition to its Blu-ray categories. Now, Amazon has their sights set as August 3rd is the release date for this, and it's going to be a Blu-ray plus DVD plus digital copy combo pack, as well as just a standard DVD, if that's all you want to pick up. Now, this is going to be one you want to add to your collection. The animation, the style, and even the hidden cameo by Jack Skellington make it a true joy to watch. Now, for all those standard DVDs out there, there are some of those that are getting released today as well. Today, this week, they have George of the Jungle 1 and 2 as a combo DVD pack, the Kurt Russell collection with the awesome live-action Disney classics of the Computer War Tennis Shoes and the Strongest Man in the World. And finally, for all of you kids looking for adventure, the Spy Kids Triple Movie Pack is heading out to the shelves today as well. So there's all kinds of fun hitting up the standard DVD realm this week as well. Now let's announce the winner for this week's Disney On Demand giveaway. Now last week we announced that we were going to give away the Disney Parks Blu-ray pack from the Travel Channel specials that were all combined in high definition for your enjoyment. Now after all the entries were in, this week's winner is Shelby Notton. Congratulations and we'll contact you as soon as the show is over. Now be sure to stop by DisneyBlue.net and click on the Disney On Demand page to see this week's contest. And this week we're giving away a doozy for all of you Disney fans, a Disney live-action Blu-ray DVD pack. That's right, we're going to give you your chance to win on Blu-ray Enchanted Pirates of the Caribbean and on standard DVDs George of the Jungle 1 and 2, The Computer War Tennis Shoes, and The Strongest Man in the World. You're going to get this complete package of all these films just by entering the contest this week. So you can have a fun-filled family weekend with Disney Live Action for everybody to enjoy in your house in both high definition or just hang out in the bedroom with some classic. And you can find all the different ways to enter on the Disney On Demand page. And I also want to mention that we have updated with over 35 more movies, TV specials, and more to the Listen to the Disney Movie Player. 
over this past weekend on the player on the homepage. It's absolutely free. You can check it out on the homepage at DisneyBlue.net. As Pat Carroll's coming in, she's getting ready to stop in here on the show, I, I do have a little bit of a story that I'm going to share with all of you Disney fans out there about The Little Mermaid. Back when the film was getting released in theaters, I have this fond memory of taking my little sister to go see The Little Mermaid. You know, we were both excited, we were both Disney fans, you know, and I had a, I had a good out, you know. I was taking my little sister, so anybody that was kind of like, alright, you're this young teenage guy, why are you going to see The Little Mermaid? I was taking my sister, it was okay. But you know... The one thing that I remember about going to see that in theaters that summer was just the awe, the inspiration, sitting there and looking at the Disney animation. I mean, it was fantastic and phenomenal. And the one thing that I'm getting to is Ursula was so terrifying that she scared my little sister. My little sister was terrified of Ursula for a long time. And that's been passed down now because my daughter knows that I'm going to be talking to Pat Carroll, the one and only Ursula, very shortly. And she even said, Ursula's a bad guy. A bad guy. Why do you want to talk to a bad guy, Dad? So, you know, I just thought I'd share it because it's pretty funny showing the impact of Disney villains, showing how strong of a connection that they can have with all their audience and just making that influence and really putting the fear and the character and bringing the movie to life. And that happened with two generations, with my little sister and my daughter. They're both terrified of Ursula. So, you know, Disney has done their job on that one. Maybe it was a pointless story, maybe it wasn't. Just thought I'd share it with you. So all of you Disney fans, I do want to mention once again that I want to thank srsounds.com for bringing Disney On Demand to you every single week, keeping the magic alive in high definition. And we have Pat Carroll here and ready to take all of your voices. So enjoy some Disney tunes, and when we come back, we're going to have the one and only Ursula, Pat Carroll, here on Disney On Demand. I'll talk to you in just a bit, all of you Disney fans. Sorcerer Radio, srsounds.com. And now, the three caballeros. And this 
is to become human yourself. Can you do that? Oh, my dear sweet child, that's what I do. It's what I live for, to help unfortunate merfolk like yourself. Poor souls with no one else to turn to. I'll make a potion that will turn you into a human for three days. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand on Sorcerer Radio, srsounds.com.
Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you Disney fans, we are back once again with another installment of Disney On Demand. And each week we're bringing you all kinds of people that make the Disney characters what they are, memorable, bring them to life. And with us here this week is no stranger to Hollywood, the big screen, the little screen, everything from the Mary Tyler Moore Show, Red Skellington, uh, you know, the Mickey Rooney Show, all the way through Kingdom Hearts, the Goofy Movie, and you best know her as... Ursula from The Little Mermaid. We have none other than Pat Carroll here with us this week on Disney On Demand. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Jonathan Johnson, you rogue. I'm <laughs> awfully happy to be with you. Anything having to do with the Disney studio is fine by me. Oh, you know, it is our pleasure to have you on. I mean, it, it, Ursula is one of those villains now that has just, uh, I guess, culminated into the... Uh, I guess that at least in the top five villains that everybody uh, fears yet loves all in the same. And uh, before we roll into Ursula, I guess, uh, you know, who is Pat Carroll? How'd you get started into, uh, you know, in Hollywood and, uh, you know, brought you to what you're doing today? Well, you know what got me into trouble was reading in the library. I was a film fan when I was five years old, but I had no idea of acting, and I read a play. I'd never been in the drama section before. And I read a play called The Passing of the Third Floor Back by Jerome K. Jerome. And I just slipped down to the floor. I read it. At the end of that, I wanted to play the little Cockney Maid. I fell in love with the theater. I read everything about the theater, the history of the theater. I even read the Greeks. (laughs) And I didn't play in a Greek until 1999. What do you think of that? It took me that long. But I became so stage-struck 
that I, I was going crazy. And one day I was crying in my bedroom, and my mother said, Patsy, I was known as Patsy Ann, Patsy, what's wrong? And I said, I want to go on the stage. And my mother said, well, that's no problem, dear. Get me the yellow pages. And I said, get you the yellow pages. And she said, just bring me the yellow pages, which I did. And she began thumbing. I noticed it said theaters. And I thought, well, there are only going to be movie theaters and that. But she went down and said, theater, Catholic Actors Guild. You're Catholic and you want to act, call them. <laughs> and I said, but Mama, what will I say? Say just exactly what you said to me. You want to go on the stage. You want to be an actor. I was petrified. What was I, 13? And you know, when you were 13, it was very difficult to make calls like that. You were self-conscious. You were embarrassed. You were scared. But I always did as my mama told me. I picked up the phone. I called. They must have thought some little junior teenage wacko was on the phone. I was stammering, falling over my language. And finally they got the idea and they said, well, you know, we have an apprentice program. And I said, you do? Could I be in that? And they said, you just come down here, sign the papers, and you're in it. So my dad, God bless him, drove me to the Catholic Actors Guild. I went inside, I signed all the papers, and within the next three months, I did a one-act play called The Bird on Nellie's Hat, and within six months, I was playing the little sister in our town, which happens to be my favorite American play. I was so thrilled and excited to be on stage, but even at 13, I knew I didn't want to play that young sister. I wanted to play the stage manager, and it only took me 70 years to play the stage manager, which I did <laughs> opening a gorgeous new $17 million theater in Bethesda, Maryland, and I got to play the stage manager. Do you know how thrilling that was? My memories of the play are evergreen. I will do that play anywhere, anyplace, anytime. I think it is ageless. That's how I got started. And from there, I worked as a secretary at CBS in the sound department. And then I finally went to New York. I taught drama in the high school while I was in college. And then in 1947, Jonathan, Little Girl Blue picked up her gunny sack and went to Plymouth, Massachusetts at a place called Priscilla Beach Theater uh, where you learned how to play stock, a new play every week, and you'd be learning a new play during the daytime and playing the play you just learned at night. Greatest experience in the world. And we were all about college age from 20 to 25. It was the most exciting summer of my life. I even toured in a stock circuit with a play with Gloria Swanson, one of the great stars of the silent wow. screen. I'd never seen any of her pictures, but I was so impressed with her, and it was wonderful because Miss Swanson arrived with a coiflong, you know, one of those tall hats, and then the drapery goes under the chin, and that coif was red, white, and blue. And she wore two gloves, one red and one blue. And wherever we played, because she'd always wear that outfit, within three days' time you'd see women at the market with mismatched gloves and red, white, and blue. <laughs> which shows you, which shows you absolutely the effect that actors have on ladies' wardrobe. But every bit of that experience, and then I went on to play over 200 roles in stock before I ever went to New York. And I can't tell you, I don't know if it's true anymore, I don't think so. It's the greatest training in the world for young actors.
You do a different play every week, and you never have time to breathe. You just have time to work. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I could imagine just, uh, you know, the, the experience alone of that. I mean, because you, you have to pull everything off from start to finish, and it's almost, uh, it's almost like boot camp for actors where it's, it's exactly. just... Exactly. What a wonderful in. name for it, boot camp. You're absolutely right. Bang on. But do you know what that means to young actors? A growing confidence, a growing knowledge of the plays that exist in the repertoire of our country, and learning about audiences. Actors keep forgetting to talk about audiences. They ultimately become our teachers. We know immediately from the audience, are we on the right track, are we on the wrong track? And you learn to change trains in the middle of the station. (laughs) Thank God for audiences, because they are what we work for. We hope, you know, every time you do a role, a different role, you hope that your ideas about it, the director's ideas about it, get across to every member of the audience so that they will enjoy it as much as you're enjoying doing it. It's amazing. And I toured a one-woman show about Gertrude Stein, the expatriate writer, for five years, did 18 months in New York and four years on the road. And I was all alone on that stage for two hours. I learned so much from audiences. Oh, did they teach me? It was extraordinary. So it proves, Jonathan, in this profession at least, you never get so old you can't learn. And did I learn those five years? It was just, I was so grateful for audiences. And I could tell you within two minutes once I stepped on the stage how I should play the show. I knew exactly from the audience. And every time it was like hitting a home run. I must have called it right from the picture because of Zumo. And there they were. And when the audience is really there, it's like one person. It's just like one person, Jonathan, and it's an elixir. You just want to smell them like flowers and thank them because they get what you're trying to do. It's wonderful. I never cease being exciting with that. Now, you don't get that reaction when you work in films, and you don't get that reaction when you work in television unless you work for a show that has a live audience. But never discount the audience. They've got so much to tell you. I mean, I truly believe that. I, you know, I've attended a variety of theater plays. I'm also a big Broadway fan, and there's something where, you know, I love seeing films. I love picturing everything like that. But like you said, um, just me being part of the audience, it's there's this energy and excitement in the air. And exactly. If somebody isn't pulling it off right, um, you feel that across the entire of room. Of course you do. You know it right away. You may not know exactly what is wrong, but you sense that something isn't right. You just know it. So, you know, and that leads you into a variety of things that, I mean, you know, your career just continues to flourish. You're always learning. And uh, you went on to do a lot of great classic shows. You were guest stars on, you know, my Mary Tyler Moore show, The Red Skeleton Show. Oh, wasn't show. that a superb television show? Now, I always loved the Danny Thomas show because there was always a little moral. Each week in each one of those shows, there was a little moral there, and I thought... Isn't that marvelous? And it was simple enough they didn't hit you over the head with it, but there it was. And I always thought, good for you, Danny Thomas. Good for you, Sheldon Leonard. You're getting little sermons across to the people. And so many young people watched that show 
that I, I think it was awful. You don't see any shows today that have any little moral attached to them. <laughs> no, everyth- everything has to be uh, uh, hardcore and cutting edge now, it seems. It, That's right, edgy, edgy. I hate that word. Yes. I hate it with a deep-born passion. I think I, think I hate that word as much as I hate, um, uh, what do they call it, uh, the next generation or techie or Yeah, all the super Ks that are so flip. <laughs> and I want to say, oh, chill out. Just chill out, you all. But I have been so fortunate, Jonathan, don't think I know it. From the time I began professional work in, in 1948, I got my equity card, so I always dated from there, not the work I did prior to that. I have never stopped working, thank you, God. I have been the most fortunate of people, I know it, and as I said to my daughters recently, don't ever worry about me when I pass over, because I will have done everything I wanted to to do, including Shakespeare, which I never thought I would be able to do, and I adored it. I wish I'd started younger, but I was almost 60 when I did my first Shakespeare. So wasn't I lucky to experience it? My first Greeks at almost 70. You know, that's good fortune, Jonathan. That's crackers. Wow, have I been lucky. And to work not only in the theater, but in the very young days of television when it was all in New York. It wasn't in Los Angeles. Right. Well, and and the young days when, uh, you know, some of it is beyond, you know, pre-me even. But, you know, it's the age when, when television in Hollywood, I don't know, it had this influence and this memorable appeal that stands true today. Yes, it does. When you see those old TV land things that come back, and you say, golly, wasn't that well written? Look at those wonderful actors. Look at those comedians. And you just, it makes you feel good. It definitely does. I mean, in the writing, and everything was just, it was simple, and it was very story-based. I think the problem we lose now is, you know, dialogue is what makes it memorable, and people forget that now. It's all about special effects, and uh, keep your attention for 30 seconds, which I think is... Yeah, but you know what's so wonderful? What do we all love doing but overhearing a conversation, eavesdropping, and deducing from what we hear, what are they talking about? And I've always felt that television was somewhat like that, and the good writers know it. And they write like it's an eavesdropping conversation, and they hook you totally. Definitely, you know, and uh, and, and all those classic shows, I mean, like I said, I, uh, many of them are pre-me, but uh, I own all of them on DVD because I love oh, them. Oh, good I, I think you, I think they're fantastic, and I think it's, uh, you know, I, I'm a mere 35 years old, but I think that a lot of people, and I'm even speaking about my generation, they lose the fact that movies like Casablanca and classic oh. TV shows and things like that are, you know, they're true gems that they're losing sight of. That's what g- gave them the movies that they have now. That's right. If we didn't have those films to compare to what we see today, we'd be lost in a sea of ignorance. And I, I, I constantly look at TCM, Turner Classic Movie, on television, and most of their older films from the 30s, now this is exclusive of their silent program, you know, their silent film program. I remember seeing most of the films I see when I was five, six, seven, eight, and I was a total movie Addict. I could tell you the name of every character actor in every film. I could give you the director's name, and I could barely spell. 
But I was so hooked on that wonderful thing where you walk into a theater, pay your 10 cents, and notice how that's changed, (laughs) and sat in that seat in the darkened theater, and you were taken to another world. I have a love of classic music because of motion pictures of that day, biographies of famous composers. I have a love of history because of all the history films they made. I have a love of dance because of the dancing that was done in those early musicals in Hollywood. Busby Berkeley was an absolute theatrical god to me because what that man did with a camera and a bunch of dancers was magical. And we have this glorious repository. You're right, Jonathan. We can all dip into that pool. And in my office, I have nothing but books, DVDs, CDs, and tapes. And my books are just as treasured as all those other things, and they're all connected. In fact, many of the books were the books from which the films were taken and filmed and brought to life in a different way. Both are are wonderful. To sit and read a book and see those characters in your own mind is marvelous. But it's even more marvelous to go to a movie house or a DVD player and see those characters come to life. And when it's beautifully cast, uh, it's heaven, and you know it. As an audience member, and I don't care, there is no age difference when people are seeing good films. It just attacks everybody. That's when you know it's a great film. And aren't we fortunate still to have them? And I must say, the work that UCLA and a number of other places are doing in film restoration is magical. Bless them for this work. Not to lose some of those treasures, because time will erode film, and if it isn't carefully taken care of, it will rot away, and we'll never see that again, because they can't refilm it. Oh, definitely. And and some of the newest treasures like that, that I've just personally picked up, is the African Queen, and yes. the Wizard of Oz on Blu-ray, where it's Absolutely. cleaned up, and so preserved that... You know, I put that in now, and my four-year-old daughter is amazed by Wizard of Oz. Oh, absolutely. How could anybody not be amazed? Four or 400 with that film. And think of that magical time, 1939. What was in the air, Jonathan? What was going on that so much brilliant filmmaking took place in that year? It's amazing, isn't it? Oh, it's 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 all just magical, and you know all that stuff really does come back to now. Like you said, you know everybody. Of course, you know as we're discussing all this, you know you played Ursula in the Little Mermaid, which many consider, and myself even, the rebirth of uh, the next generation of Disney classics. After Walt. oh, I think it was Jonathan because the quality control on that film. We wouldn't finish a session that it wouldn't go upstairs uh, to be approved or to be said no, redo this because uh, now that's caring. They were looking for perfection. They worked for perfection, and I think they got it. Oh, definitely. Now, when it came to doing that role, I guess, were you approached for it? Did you audition for it? No, no, Jonathan. I got a call from my agent in, I guess, 1986, 87, 88, someplace in there, saying, "Uh, would you audition for a Disney animated film? I said, would I? I have been... I even have a picture of me with my ears on when I was in El Paso, Texas. I was a member of the Mickey Mouse Club, (laughs) do you mind? And I said, would I like I can't wait. What is it about? Tell me. I'll go this minute if you want me to. I auditioned four times, twice for reading and twice for music. And I mean, they knew exactly what they were looking for. 
And uh, I finished all the auditions, and the agent said, well, now we'll just wait. A year later, he called me and said, you got it. <laughs> I said, I got what? He said, you got the Disney film. And I said, you're kidding. I was so excited. I was jumping up and down. Here I had been a Disney film all my life, fan, and I was going to get to work in one. Do you know what that meant to me, Jonathan? I was ecstatic. And then we began rehearsals, and then began exhaustion. They wanted perfection, and they weren't going to take anything less. And we would come out from sessions, and I, I would be bleary-eyed, but that you do it until they get it right, the way they see it. And you know, for the first time in Disney history, they gathered the entire cast, and many of the actors were from New York, in a recording studio in Hollywood, to record the film, including numbers for each of the characters, in its entirety. And it was the first time in the history of Disney that the entire cast had been together in one room. Wow. I mean, and, and that is rare, especially with voice acting and doing Absolutely. characters. Absolutely. You rarely see each other. But you know the sadness of that. It was a tragedy. We finished the session. We were all so pleased with it. The writers were happy, the directors, the producers. And there was something wrong with their recording equipment. It didn't record it. <laughs> How's that for the irony of life? And I was working on another show. I had to go. A lot of the other actors were working. So we couldn't re-record it right then. And the other New York actors had to go home. So we never got that wonderful record of the first reading of the script and all of the music. Wouldn't wow. that have been wonderful? That would have been magical just to hear the chemistry because you're all there at the same yes, time. Yes, yes. And we're all in the kind of tiny room, shoulder to shoulder, and, I mean, you have to be aware of each other. I, I was so excited to, eat, to uh, meet the other actors from New York and meet some of the actors from L.A., and I thought, oh, wow, this is going to be fun, but this is probably the last time we'll all be together, and it was, because then we all went into the mode of they would record Ursula, they would record Flossum and Jetsum, and they would go right down the list. And I thought, wow, this is irony personified. But the work that was done on that film, I was in awe. I was in absolute awe. And the composer and the lyricist were so wonderful to me. I'm not a trained singer. And I think the only reason I was hired was I'm a female basso, practically. And their work was so meticulous that one time I... Uh, I turned to the lyricist and I said, I, I, forgive me, I can't remember his name right now and I see his face, because I want him to have the credit. And I thought, you know, this man loves this character. I bet he does this song, Cracker Jack. So I said, would you do me a favor? I think I'm missing some points here. Would you do the number for me? He said, I'd love to. He did it so brilliantly. And I said, may I steal three things from you? <laughs> <laughs> And he said, of course, I was wishing you would. <laughs> Isn't that marvelous, Jonathan? <laughs> and I felt so honored that he did that so I could pick from his magnificent brain. And you know, you start with just a piano. Alan Menken was playing the piano. Then the next time you come in, they may have half the horn section, or they may have, this has all been recorded already. And then they may have the string section bits. And, and every time you do a recording, more has been added until you get to the final section. And you hear the whole thing put together. I couldn't believe it. 
And it was during one of these sessions, they were long and hard. I went home and I was complaining about being so tired and all oh, they worked us today. And my younger daughter, Tara, who is now a professional actress, and I just admire her inordinately, said, Mama, let me ask you something. I'm sure you worked hard today, but you know, you were one of the first people I ever heard talking about Disney because you grew up on Walt Disney. You were born the same year as Mickey Mouse, and your mama and daddy took you to see every Disney film that came out. And when we were kids, you took us to see every Disney film that came out. Now, Mama, can you believe that maybe 50 or maybe even 100 years from now, you may still be known because Disney fans will be seeing The Little Mermaid. And I said, Tara, by golly, I never thought about that. But I have a question. Are my great, great grandchildren always to think of me as a squid? <laughs> and that may well happen, and I wouldn't mind it at all, at all, at all, Jonathan. But isn't that the truth? And isn't it interesting, in one small family, you can see the history of the, of the Disney studio for each generation that comes along. Oh, definitely. What a marvelous gift that man gave to the world, that Walt Disney. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, that's even down to my love of Disney. My parents uh, started taking me down to the Walt Disney World, uh, you know, back when it opened, and I pass that down to my kids now. And oh, every good. And, oh, and, good, John. Every time I'm there, I go out to Disneyland. Uh, you, you I'm have the to. biggest kid there. <laughs> you have to. You have to love it. And it's definitely something that is passed down generation to generation. And uh, and you do it with joy, don't you? Oh, you know, you get to that point where you're just so excited. And, you know, when my daughter was born, I'm like, okay, when is she going to be old enough to enjoy watching Little Mermaid? <laughs> take her to Disneyland. It's like, all right, now take her to Disney. All right, it's going to be good. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, yeah, absolutely. You are expecting the kids to have as good a time as you have. Right, and, you know, and my daughter loves it. I mean, every time a Disney movie comes on and you just see, you see the castle right there just in the credits, first thing she says is, Disney, I want to go there. Every oh, <laughs> yes. Isn't it wonderful? And to think that we have a place for the children, but it's also for the adults. Have you ever sat in Disneyland and looked at the older folk who came by and are having the time of their lives? For children of all ages. I just think... Another thing I have to say, and I want to say it publicly, I went for the first time to the Disney Hall in Los Angeles for their... Christmas Eve, all family, you sing, you sing together. Number one, that is the greatest gift that the citizens of Los Angeles have ever been given. It is a magnificent hall, and whoever thought up this wonderful Christmas sing along is brilliant. People of every walk of life, of every ethnic background, of every religious belief are there. They're all saying hello to each other and shaking hands. The Christmas spirit reigns in Disney Hall at Christmas time. And I have promised myself I will go back and I want my 10-year-old granddaughter to go to the children's concerts. I just think it's an extraordinary thing the Disney family gave to Los Angeles, and I want to thank them just out loud in public. <laughs> and, you know, and uh, uh, everything that they do there, and like you said, it's a great place where everybody comes together, and, uh, you know, even artistically, even the architecture of it is just beautiful. Unbelievable. 
unbelievable, and as huge as it is inside, at least that day, there is something in the inner architecture that makes it very intimate and not humongous. So no matter where you're sitting, you feel like you're right in the midst of things. Bless the Disney family for that gift. But I'll tell you, I have so enjoyed the waves of appreciation from playing Ursula in that marvelous film over the years that I, uh, I'm very grateful that I was lucky enough to do it. Well, you know, and it's, like I said, it is one of the most memorable characters. And, you know, close to my heart, I love Disney villains because without a villain, you're not going to have a story. No, you have no abrasion without a villain. I remember the queen in, in Snow White. When she turns into that old hag, it scared me breathless. And I saw her in my nightmares. I hope little babies are not having nightmares because of me. I have parents have introduced me to children who look like they're going to faint. And I want to say, oh, don't do that. They, They expect me to be something horrible to them. I can't. I love kids. But they don't want you coming near them. You've been that old squid. <laughs> oh, how dare you, you old squid. But I, I love that character, and I based it. My idea was she was an ex-Shakespearean uh, actress who sold used cars. That's a different way to look at it. Yeah, and that, that's the character I played. <laughs> well, and it came across brilliant, memorable songs, and, you know, you continued to do that character, you know, in the Little Mermaid television show, and I have to ask, were you involved with all the uh, Ursula sound bites at the uh, Hollywood Studios uh, ride and attraction and any of that stuff? Yes, yes, uh, and the Disney studio has been very good to me with this ancillary work, and uh, uh, she's uh, in the ice show, I think, and uh, in the, in the uh, big parades in both Disneyland and Disney World. So pretty much any time. Uh, so I've been very, very grateful. That old character has fit me like a shoe, and I have enjoyed it totally. Uh, well, totally. Well, you know, it, it's good to know that uh, every time we hear Ursula, we know that it's you. You know, it gives that reassuring, just makes it that much more dear, knowing that Ursula is really playing Ursula. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice reinsurance that you're getting the pure product. Jonathan. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's 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 always a good feeling, you know. You know, and uh, uh, just knowing that it's the actual character actor, the person behind it. Um, you know, a, a funny story is I told my daughter. You know, she's only four. I said, "Oh, I'm going to be talking with with Ursula today," and uh, she goes, "Is she going to take your voice?" <laughs> <laughs> the child knows her film. Yes. <laughs> oh, tell her I wouldn't dare take your voice. Um, you know, so, um, which leads me to what I have to ask is, uh, you know, I don't know if you can release anything or not. Are you going to be involved with the Little Mermaid attraction that they're currently going to be building as part of the Fantasyland expansion? I have no idea. Nobody has asked me, but I'm sure I'll hear about it. Okay. I, I figured it might be kind of soon, but, you know, I had to ask because everybody is very ecstatic about this uh, new Little Mermaid attraction that's going to be built at Walt Disney World. So. Oh, that's so wonderful. I think anything that's the Little Mermaid is pre-sold, is absolutely pre-sold, and I hope it does well, and I hope I'm in it. 
Definitely. Well, and you've also done uh, a lot of other characters, too. You know, uh, things that people may have not recognized, like uh, the Garfield Family Christmas. You played Grand. Yes. Oh, wasn't that dear? I was so thrilled when he asked me to do that, and I loved the grandma. Oh, I, you know, I, I watch that special every Christmas. I have. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. There is something just special and near and dear about that cartoon that is so simple, and the animation... It's very much like its creator. He's a very nice man. Yes, and it's a very, it's a very true and dear, simple Christmas story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it's about home, and it's about people who love each other. Definitely, and uh, you know, and you're not slowing down. Of course, you know you were in Nancy Drew, ER, Around the World in 50 Years. That hasn't been released yet. And Stacy Keach and I play two turtles, and <laughs> Jerry Lewis is the head turtle. Very nice. <laughs> I can't wait to see me in 3D glasses. How wonderful! That'll be fun. That'll definitely be fun. <laughs> now listen, Jonathan, with all of that, I want to tell you about a film that I did. It's an independent called Songcatcher. And it didn't get a big blast when it went off, because, but it's now become kind of a cult film, and people love it. And it's about a musicologist at the turn of the century who goes up to Appalachia, where because of the inroads of the Scottish, Irish, English people who came over, the immigrants who came over to work in the Appalachian Mountains, they spoke the purest form of English since Shakespeare's time. And she knew that, and she went to seek out song catchers. They didn't have recording equipment then. They didn't have any way to pass on the songs. So mostly women, but some men, learn the songs. I talked to one lady who had 400 songs in her brain. Wow. Is that extraordinary? And they were called song catchers. And the film has a wonderful score, and it's a good story. And I play an old mountain grandma who's a midwife and a tough old cookie, but she's got a heart of gold. Uh, It's a dear film. If you haven't seen it, please see it. I think you'll enjoy it. Oh, you know, um, it's probably going to be one of those that I'm going to have to pick up now this weekend right away. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> you're like I am, impatient. Yes, I, when I, I like it right now. I want it now. I'm worse than a kid. I want it now. I don't want next Tuesday. Exactly. That's how I am. I want it now, and I want to enjoy it right now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's the only way it can be, and the only way it can be fun. Definitely. So, you know, it's good to know that you're involved with so many different things, you know, cult films, uh, you know, fantastic career, theater background, Ursula as part of The Little Mermaid. I guess, uh, is there anything further along in the future that you can let us in on or uh, anything else that, uh, you know, you really want to toss out there so that people know, you know, what is Pat Carroll up to? Well, just let them know I'm up to staying alive. (laughs) (laughs) I'd still like to be around for my 10-year-old granddaughter's graduation from college. Please, God, let that happen. But that, and that I know of now, I'm trying to get a new play done. I, I'm not writing it, but uh, I have read it, I've performed it, and I want to get a national tour of it going. So keep your fingers crossed that I can make that happen within the year. Oh, very good. You know, anything that has to do with live theater is always fun to do, especially when you do a national tour. Well, uh, it's, it's my lifeblood. It, it gets harder as you get older to do eight performances a week live, but it's always rewarding, again, because of the audiences who feed you. They feed you. We're very fortunate, those of us who work in the theater, to have that kind of immediate return to the work. Definitely. You know, and, and it has to feel good when you're on stage and you have the pl- applause after, and you know that 
you know what, I'm tired, it's been a long day, but I really touched every person in this theater. That's right, Jonathan, and you were so grateful that everybody listened to you, and they went along with the story, and they laughed, and they cried, and they had a good time. And that's what we're about, we folk who work in this profession as actors. I think that's ultimately our reward. Very good. And I'm very grateful for that. You know, well, it's been our pleasure having you on. and uh, you know, Jonathan, how nice of you. I am so grateful you asked me. Well, you know, it's our pleasure just to, you know, one, we have to capture the memories and the magic behind Disney characters and the people that brought them to life. And, of course, everything that you've done in your career. You know, we want people to know that, you know, hey, Ursula wasn't just one character. You have a whole career of things that now they can go out, research, and check them all out now. And then, all right, now I know who Pat Carroll is. Oh, she did this and this and this and this. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea, John. And don't forget, <laughs> life's full of tough choices, isn't it? <laughs> I gotcha, didn't I? <laughs> uh, it was our pleasure, and uh, thank you once again very much. My pleasure indeed, Jonathan. All good things to you and your family. The only way to get what you want is to become a human yourself. Can you do that? My dear sweet child, that's what I do. It's what I live for. To help unfortunate merfolk like yourself. Poor souls with no one else to turn to. I admit that in the past I've been a nasty. They weren't kidding when they called me, well, a witch. But you'll find that nowadays I've mended all my ways. Repented, seen the light and made a switch. True, yes. And I fortunately know a little magic. It's a talent that I always have possessed. And here lately, please don't laugh. I use it on behalf of the miserable, lonely, and depressed. Pathetic. Poor unfortunate souls in pain, in need. This one longing to be thinner. That one wants to get the girl. And do I help them? Yes, indeed. Those poor unfortunate souls, so sad, so true. They come flocking to my cauldron, crying spells, Ursula, please, and I help them. Yes, I do. Now it's happened once or twice. Someone couldn't pay the price, and I'm afraid I had to rake them across the coals. Yes, I've had the odd complaint, but on the whole, I've been a saint. To those poor unfortunate souls Have we got a deal? If I become human, I'll never be with my father or sisters again But you'll have your man <laughs> Life's full of tough choices, isn't it? <laughs> oh, and there is one more we haven't discussed the subject of payment. But I don't have it. I'm not asking much. Just a token, really, a trifle. What I want from you is your voice. But without my voice, how can I... You'll have your looks, your pretty face, and don't underestimate the importance of the body language. Ha! The men up there don't like a lot of blather. They think a girl who gossips is a bore. Yet on land it's much preferred for ladies not to say a word. And after all, dear, what is idle prattle for? Come on, they're not all that impressed with conversation. 
two gentlemen avoid it when they can. But they don't in soon and fawn on a lady who's withdrawn. It's she who holds her tongue who gets a man. Come on, you poor unfortunate soul. Go ahead, make your choice. I'm a very busy woman and I haven't got all day. It won't cost much, just your voice. You poor unfortunate soul. It's sad, but true. Bridge, my sweet, you've got to pay the toll. Take a gulp and take a breath and go ahead and sign the scroll. Flat some jets and now I've got her, boys. The boss is on a roll. This poor, unfortunate soul. Aluga, Savruga, the winds of the Caspian Sea. Lasitis, Ecnax, Laryngitis, La Voce to me. On to demand. A dream is a wish your heart makes when you're fast asleep. In dreams you will lose your heartache. Whatever you wish for, you keep. In your dreams And someday Your rainbow will come smiling through No matter how your heart is grieving If you keep on believing The dream that you Clock. Oh, killjoy. I hear you. Come on, get up, you say. Time to start another day. Even he orders me around. Well, there's one thing. They can't order me to stop dreaming. And perhaps someday, the dreams that I wish will come. Ba-dum-bum, 
srsounds.com Alright, so I'm back, Disney fans, and I want to thank Pat once again for stopping in. Fantastic, wonderful lady. I hope you enjoyed her stopping in. It was a fantastic time. Lots of great stories to tell, and of course, the one and only memorable Disney character, and I can only guess that we're going to be able to hear her in the upcoming Walt Disney World Little Mermaid attraction that they're currently building as part of the Fantasyland expansion. I know I'm pretty psyched for it, and I cannot thank Pat once again for stopping in and chatting with all of us Disney fans here at Disney On Demand. So, Disney fans, it has reached the end of this week's show here at Disney Blues, Disney On Demand, and I hope you had a fun romp, all kinds of fun, all kinds of Disney music, the one and only Pat Carroll. And I'm going to give you all the different ways that you can stay connected here at Disney Blue with Disney On Demand. And first and foremost, you can always listen to Disney On Demand at srsounds.com, where it's all Disney music all day long. You can also visit me directly on disneyblue.net, where you can listen to our world-famous Listen to a Disney Movie Player right there on the homepage. And you can also interact with us directly right there on the website. You can find me on Skype at Disney Blue. You can also find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash DisneyBlue, on Facebook at facebook.com slash DisneyBlue, and on AOL Instant Messenger at RFR Podcast. And remember, all of you Disney fans, you can always have some fun, magic in high definition, and pass those memories down from generation to generation. So I want to thank you once again for tuning in. Sit back, relax, enjoy, and stay tuned next week because we have the one and only... Robert Guillaume stopping in here on Disney On Demand. That's right, you heard it here first. Thought I'd toss it in, and I'm not going to tell you what voice he played. Maybe you'll have to look it up on your own here on Disney On Demand next week. So all of you Disney fans, faith, trust, pixie dust, and have a magical week in high definition. Disney On Demand. Portobello Road, Portobello Road. Happy things are happening in Portobello Road. You feel like a ballerina when you're hopping like a toad. When you kick your heels up down in Portobello Road.
Sorcerer Radio. All Disney music. All Disney music. All day long. SRSounds.com. Les poissons, les poissons, how I love les poissons. Love to chop and to serve little fish. First I cut off their heads and I pull out their bones. Ah mais oui, ça c'est toujours délicieux. Les poissons, les poissons, hi hi hi, ha ha ha. Music lover, I hack them in two. I pull out what's inside and I serve it up fried. God, I love little fishes, don't you? Here's something for tempting the palate. Prepared in the classic technique. First you pound the fish fat with the mallet. Then you slash through the skin, give the belly a slice. Then you rub some salt in, cause that makes it taste nice. Zotalo, I have missed one. Sacrable, what is this? How on earth could I miss such a sweet little succulent crab? Quel dommage, what a loss, here we go in the sauce. Now some flour, I think, just the dab. Now I stop you with bread, don't hurt, cause you're dead and you're certainly lucky you are. Cause it's gonna be hot in my big silver pot to the mon poisson au revoir. Disney Blue presents Disney on Demand with your host, Jonathan Johnson.